maybe a few years ago, I tried very hard to brand myself as, uh, you know, an entrepreneur or a marketing person. And I feel now I'm very much more of the opinion that I don't want to try and do it. I would rather try and build the business and scale the business and achieve incredible things, which then just build the brand. Uh, like it's almost like I want my results to do the talking as opposed to me trying to brand myself as something. I'm Johnny Prest, and this is the Brand Master Flash Podcast. Your brand is your community. It's their instinctive connectedness with you in their hearts and minds. This podcast explores how to define and deliver a brand strategy that is true to who you really are. It will inspire your team, connect you with your customers, and make a positive difference. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Johnny here. One of the biggest game changers I've had in my business over the past couple of years was the decision to start my own personal brand and start making content. Now, when I first started, it was an absolute disaster. I didn't know what I was doing. I used to record short videos on my mobile phone. I didn't really know who I was and the type of message that I wanted to put out there and who it was for. But over time, I really, started to find my confidence, I started to figure out who I was uh, and eventually I started to engage with the right audience and it created lots of and does create lots of opportunities for me. So when I'm now talking to my clients, I try and tell them the value of making content but also the importance of trying to build your brand and understand the message that you're trying to tell and truly understand who you are as a collective or as a person. Uh, and the reason why I know about this and the reason I got onto this path of building a personal brand or brand building and, and understanding the message was through a very young marketeer that I saw online a few years ago. His name was Gavin Bell. And what attracted me to Gavin was he was totally unique. And the reason why he was unique is that he brings this level of calmness. Although he's really educated in marketing, he really knows his stuff in terms of creating content, the message, the platforms, the technology. He approached it in a very unique way. And I think his, his kind of relaxed, his relaxed behavior and the way that he generated content allowed me to think, yeah, this is something I'd love to do. This is something that I wanna get into. And he was kind of the gateway for me to start making my own content. So I had the pleasure to, to speak to Gav today. Um, we, spoke, we spoke about a lot of things. We talked about how he got into marketing. We talk about how he approaches his briefs with his clients, um, his processes, and kind of what the future looks like and what the transition from building his own personal brand to now building his own agency. Um, so, Here's the interview. Enjoy. Gab, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, how are you doing on this beautiful day? 
Oh, it's good. I'm good. It's Friday. The sun's shining, and I'm here. Can't be. Can't be better. Have you got much plans for the weekend? Uh, yeah, a little bit of football, a little bit of mountain biking, and a little bit of diving actually. So it's kind of a, an action-packed weekend. Very active. Nice. Well, mine's not as active as that. I'm. I'm going to try and head to a beer garden this weekend. I've not nice. been to a beer garden since the pubs have reopened. So. I, and tomorrow is going to be one of the last best days of sunshine so whilst you're climbing and diving i'll be i'll be downing pints <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it enjoy it i will gab i want to jump in with with i've been a fan of your work for a long time you've actually encouraged me to do things like this podcast and this vlog because i've seen you do it um you make it look really easy and I, I actually think you're one of the hardest working men in marketing. You might disagree with that. But the reason why I say that is that you always seem that you're on the edge of digital marketing. Like you're always playing out with, with uh, playing around with new types of content, new platforms. You know, when, when everyone was going live, you were there. How, how do you stay on the cusp or the edge of technology? What is, drives you to do that? Yeah, well, firstly, I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's very kind of you. I, I think it just comes from uh, um, two things, I think, is one, a passion for what I do. So it's it helps that my work is almost, is a hobby. And so, you know, when, when something is a hobby, you always want to, you kind of just naturally are always on the, the kind of leading edge of it. Um, and the second thing is, I think it just, it comes from a, from a personal perspective, a, a drive that I've always had to just always try and be better at what I'm doing, which I think comes from a sporting sporting background. It's just that you're always just trying to be fitter and faster. And I think I try and apply that to um, business as well, which is I'm, I'm always looking for things we can do, things we can try. And, 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 and to be honest, another thing is I do have a bit of shiny object syndrome. So I, I do like to jump to thing to thing and see what works and what I like doing and what I don't like doing. And, you know, I, in my content journey, I started off blogging, which a lot of people do. And then I discovered video and I absolutely loved video. And then I discovered podcasting and I absolutely love podcasting. And now I feel like I'm probably almost going back to a bit of writing because I quite like writing at the moment. So the, I think it's a combination of all those things of it being a hobby, and I drive to be better, but also a bit of, um, I just like trying and testing things. Brilliant. When when you're doing your live videos and, you know, I can see that you've got a million things going on. You've, you've got your camera going, you're, you're recording audio, you're going live. Do you feel comfortable at that time in those areas when you're interviewing new people or do you feel uncomfortable? And is it the, if it is uncomfortable, is that what kind of drives you? What, where do you, how do you feel in those situations? Yeah. That's a good question. I think definitely, um, I, I would say I'm relatively comfortable now, but I've never, that's not always been the case. So when I, um, maybe four or five years ago, when I first decided I was going to get started in video, um, it was because I was watching people like Gary Vee and they were saying like, you need to be in video, you need to do video. I was absolutely petrified at the idea of my face being on camera and putting myself out there to the world, like absolutely terrified to the point that my first videos I ever filmed, I like literally took the camera into a forest so no one could see me. And I, I, you know, at the time, I, 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 and the reason I didn't just do it inside is because I, had, I was you know, renting a place at the time and I had these horrible magnolia walls and I was 
concerned that people, what people would think about the Magnolia Walls. So I thought, right, forest is a place to go. And that was the only place I could think nearby that people actually wouldn't see me filming myself. So I like, absolutely hated it, and but just decided to to start. And um, I then went on this journey of, I, I decided I was gonna do a hundred vlogs in a hundred days where I would just pick up my phone, record a video, upload it, no editing, nothing. And that was really like a personal thing for me just to try and get more comfortable on, on camera. Um, and then that kind of naturally progressed into more edited videos and trying to actually storytell in videos, which then led into other opportunities. And because I've now done so much of it, when I am on camera or doing an interview like this or interviewing someone, it's it's a relatively comfortable space for me. And I, and I think it's probably a space where I feel um, most like I can be myself. It's almost like, um, it's almost like a performance thing. I feel like I can be, be like my most energetic self when I'm live or I'm doing a podcast or, or I'm doing a video. So it's kind of gone from super uncomfortable to somewhat more comfortable it's been really nice watching your journey because you know what i remember those early videos i remember you standing in the middle of the woods i think it was things like you know here, here are some ways to create content on twitter and you're in the middle of the woods i just thought that was your thing i just thought yeah this guy loves social media he loves nature and he brought them together it felt planned so it's interesting that you said you were out there because you didn't want, didn't want anyone to see you but that i love that because when working with a lot of my clients, you know, I'm always saying, you know, we should start a TV channel. We should, this is great content. We should podcast. And I can see the fear in their face uh, and they just don't want it. They just, they just can't step over that barrier of just making that first thing. And I love it how you kind of made stuff and then you forced yourself to do a hundred vlogs over a hundred days and, and look at you, what you're doing now. It just shows you, you know, you're a great advocate of the journey of making content. It's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, and it, everyone goes through that journey. I don't, there's, I mean, there's maybe a small percentage of people that are just natural on camera, but 99% of people I speak to aren't. And so you have to go through that like kind of ugly beginning phase of it not being very good and you being uncomfortable to get to a point where you are comfortable. Yeah. It's like uh, Rob Moore says, start now, get perfect later. And I totally agree with that. Okay. I've got some, um, I call them quick fire questions actually, but they're not normally quick, uh, but they normally give the best answers. Um, I ask this to everyone and I've been asking this all the way through, sort of through COVID, but what's the most important thing that you've learned in the, in the past 12 months? Um, oh, that's a great question. I think the thing that I've learned most is that sometimes you have to slow down in order to speed up. So let me give you some context to that. So I've always been someone that tries to make decisions fast, move fast, break things. That's always been my mentality, um, which has played out pretty well for me, like over, you know, over the last few years. But when I launched, I launched the business six years ago and we started off kind of agency done for you services. And what happened was, you know, I, I like a lot of people, I, I got fully booked. So I was absolutely rammed in terms of the kind of client work that I had going on. And so I was like, okay, well, that's a problem. I don't like doing the client work. I don't like doing the, you know, the nitty gritty stuff. My passion is business development and going out and, and winning new business. And um, 
and so I said, okay, well, we need to solve this problem. I need to, I need to be able to, you know, continue to grow this business. What I should have done at that point is hire someone to run the client accounts. What I decided, what I did though, was I, you know, just jumped on a, a trend, created courses, created a membership site, etc. And those things did really well. Like those things were big drivers of revenue in the business, but over COVID, I kind of had a chance to sit back and think about what I actually wanted to achieve um, long-term and, and that goal that I want to actually achieve, which is you know to exit the company and things, makes more sense to grow an agency as opposed to the products that I created. So now I find myself kind of going full circle and we're now hiring an account manager to come on and manage uh, a lot of the client work. And so going back to my original point in terms of having to slow down, if if I had slowed down and actually looked at, right, what is the problem here? And what are some of the best solutions and spent some time and slowed down, spent time thinking of what the best solution was at that point, I maybe wouldn't have created the courses and the membership and, and the agency would be, uh, you know, it would be larger than it is today. Um, so I think when you, when you've, when you come up against the problem, rather than just sometimes making a fast decision and trying something is, I think it makes more sense to slow down a little bit and actually look at the problem and then look at the different solutions for that problem before then operating fast and, and, uh, and, and rolling out the whatever solution you come up with. Yeah, those, those logical, pragmatic decisions that you make after doing the wrong thing are so beneficial once you've done the wrong thing. Because I always, you know, always looking at the the flip side of things, you know, doing the the academy, trying to go frictionless as possible, creating courses, um, you will know so much now than you would have done of just growing an agency. So I I, I totally see where you're coming from because I'm a person that runs an agency and creative director. Um, and we're always flipping between, you know, do we create products and services that can scale and we can have more of a lifestyle balance and things. And when we have been involved in things like that, all I want to do is get my hands dirty and jump in with clients and do bespoke creative projects. So it's really difficult to find a balance, but I suppose now you're, you're finding that balance, but that comes with just maturity and, and, and coming and developing a range of skills. So it's interesting yeah. you said that. Yeah, and, and and don't get me wrong, like the the academy and all those things have done, you know, I've had amazing benefits on things like audience growth and personal branding and loads of opportunities came as a result of that. But I think it was a it was a quick decision I made and looking back probably wasn't the right decision, although it had lots of benefits. But hindsight's a great thing. Yeah, the story of my life. No, I definitely agree with the the slowing down. I think a lot of people have mentioned that through covid i think you know being in our houses being at home more and also being exercising being in nature more you know we've had more time to think and reflect and um i think for me going forward i'm going to be doing more i want to do more reflection i'm doing my best work not at work at the moment when i'm out and about running or exercising and and doing things that's where my my goal is coming so totally agree with that okay so you mentioned very early on about people at your beginning of your career that inspired you like Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk who who inspires you now and it doesn't have to be marketing by the way it could be anyone yeah I uh, I actually take a lot of it I take I try and take inspiration from a lot of people so there's nobody that uh I look up to uh, like one person that I'm like 
I like I aspire to be like them or they inspire me. Gary Vaynerchuk was a big inspiration like early on in my career. I don't watch so much of him anymore. Um, I think so, uh, to, to be honest, if I, the first thing that comes to my mind right now is I'm, I'm watching Undercover Billionaire on Amazon Prime. If you haven't watched it, like, it's amazing. And the pre premise of the show is basically they have three billionaires. Uh, one of them's Grant Cardone and uh, I can't, I can't, uh, Monique and I can't remember the other two anyway. But they uh, basically get dropped into a city with a phone that has no contacts on it. I think a hundred dollars, yeah, a hundred dollars and a car. And they have 90 days to try and make a million pound or million dollar business. And so I'm watching that just now. And, and although I've never ever said Grant Cardone has been inspiring to me in the past, like just watching how they operate has been really inspiring to me of, of late. And, and just seeing how they, you know, 90 days to make a million pound business is pretty, pretty challenging. So. I think there's a lot of things you can learn from these people when they're when they're in a challenge like that. Um, so those, those I've forgotten all their names, but those three people in Undercover Billionaire are the are the ones that are inspiring me right now. You know what, Grant Cardone's a, a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. Um, I wouldn't want to spend much time with the guy in a room, but you you can't deny the fact that he's got a personality that's quite magnetic. And I used to listen to his podcast quite a lot because there was a marketer called Frank Kern on there. Um, and then most people that he's like a disciple um, of, oh, I've got his name now with the handlebar mustache. Um, it'll come to me in a bit, but yeah, you, you, think you know the one I mean, the, the marketer, he's, he's passed away yeah. now. But he, that, that, that podcast was really, really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I like, I like Grant Cardone. Um, I bet he could make a million pounds in a few days of just going around the, the gift of the gab. Well, it's, it's been really cool because, um, I, I probably didn't have the best, uh, like view of Grant Cardone initially just from like his, I just, I just kind of thought he was this like loud, brash kind of guy, but watching the program, I've actually, but you, you kind of see a bit of a different side to him and I, I definitely respect him more. And, um, what what I've really enjoyed from the show is one of the I don't want to ruin it, but one of the companies that he tries to set up is a promo, uh, like a pro like a marketing company, like a promotions company for the local town that they're in, and just seeing him go into these sales calls and how he asks some questions and um, because and, and what's been really interesting is he has done billions of pounds or billions of dollars worth of deals over his career. But when he's going into these small businesses in, in Pueblo as Lewis Curtis, which is the name that they, they give him, he's coming out and he's going, I'm like, I'm so nervous asking for this five grand or I'm so nervous to do this. And I just find it's really cool to see, I don't know, like a, a big influencer who you often think is like bulletproof and invincible in a situation where they're struggling and being able to see the dynamics mm. of that's really, it's been really interesting. Yeah. Oh, it was Dan Kennedy, by the way, the, the marketer That's the one, I was yeah. thinking of. No, it's interesting with, with sales. I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment and I interviewed uh, Kenda McDonald um, a few months ago about her yeah. book. And obviously it's all about sales. And it, it, it kind of talks about the, the, the balance between old fashioned sales, which was quite direct, you know, it's very kind of person to person. Um, and then obviously we're looking at sales now, which is kind of bolted very cleanly onto digital marketing and is part of the process where I suppose marketing sales 
you know, pre-internet was quite fragmented and it was very, two very different skill sets. And um, I'm interested in, in old fashioned sales as well as new sales. So at Grant Cardone's that very direct, very much relationship building, very much about selling something from person to person, pressing, pre pressing flesh, that kind of sales. And I think there's still, a, I think there's still an, uh, an, a market, not a market for that, but there's still a space for that because, um, Myself and Natalie were actually having a conversation this morning about marketing and we were like, you know, we, we do direct marketing, we do, you know, all different types of inbound, outbound, um, own media. And, I, and Grant Cardone has always said, do all of it, do everything of it. It's not one of these things is it works, it all works. And I think if you can find the your own little marketing ecosystem, your, your techniques, your relationship building techniques and your personality, I think that's where we find authenticity is when we're doing it our way but we're learning from all the masters and we're learning all the skills but doing it in our own way and I feel like that's quite you know um relevant for you because I feel like you obviously learned a lot from these masters but you've kind of created your own style of marketing and you know I, I can imagine that you created your own style of sales as well would you agree with that yeah I mean well it's, it's quite funny hearing that from like the outside in because for me I, I would look at it and go oh my god there's so many things that we need to improve and get better at but I guess yeah you, like there's um I mean when it comes to advertising because we've done so much of it for clients we've we've definitely been able to create like our own kind of system if you want from an advertising perspective and then yeah I, I guess um when it comes to sales and marketing and like all of these different things everybody's got different personalities and so one personality on a podcast will be very different to a different personality on a podcast. And, and similarly with, with selling, like for me, I'm, I'm, I guess I agree with Grant in terms of trying to be like everywhere uh, to an extent, but I'm definitely not the kind of brash, like hard salesman when, when you're face to face with someone, I'm definitely more a case of like, okay, what's your problem? And this is a solution that we've got. Can it work? Well, let's try and, you know, do some numbers and actually see whether this has a realistic chance of, of working. So I'm very much like, I think the, my, my um, style of sales is very much the kind of doctor analogy, where it's like you go to the doctor with a problem and they prescribe you with something. So people come to, come to me via the content and I will then try and prescribe them what, where I think they should go. And that might be working with us on Facebook ad advertising, or it might be, you know, actually, I think you should probably stick to getting it, you know, getting a new website built first, for example. Mm, yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm more of a gentler approach to it. I would say I'm a bit like a doctor. I'm probably more like Dr. Nick from the Simpsons, though. He's just <laughs> muddling his way through it, trying to figure out what the right answer is. Hey, everyone, I just wanted to jump in here and offer my support. If you're looking to solve your business challenges, you're looking for new ideas, or you're simply just looking to grow your organization, then it's time for a new brand strategy. I'd love to know more about you and your business. So get in touch with me through seedcreativity.co.uk and we can get things moving. Now back to the show. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so that's, that's who inspires you. So this is a big question. Who do you want to inspire? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I 
I think the, I think the first thing that comes to my head there is young people. Um, I think, and that, that probably stems from the fact that, like I, I've had, I guess, entrepreneurial symptoms from a really young age. Like I, I built my first website when I was 14, had a drop shipping business on eBay when I was like 15 before it was, before it was cool. And um, not that I made any money from it. And then I think that growing up, being in school, but knowing that the kind of academic system wasn't really for me, uh, having someone that was had gone through that journey and I could, that I could speak to and, and learn from, I think would be would have been really beneficial. So, although I don't feel like I'm ready to be that person yet, I think long term, um, I think young people is probably who I'd want to inspire. Yeah, I, I think that you, you, you do that. And um, well, you've inspired me, but I'm definitely not young. But um, I think what was different about you was that you were taking something that was typically done by old fusty marketeers or trying to do it. And you did put your own spin on it. You put your own look and feel to it. Um, you know, you weren't doing the whole green screen. This is, you should hit five tips for doing Facebook. You know, you were there like you are now with your hoodie, just chatting about stuff and, and figuring it out for yourself and telling the world why, whilst you were doing that. So I, I think you were kind of doing your thing, which was, which was cool. So I feel like you are doing that. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Okay. So if you can hear screaming in the background, it sounds like one of my children's trying to kill themselves. <laughs> um, okay. So with, with the work that you do, obviously, it's a lot about funnel building. So we're looking at land, converting landing pages. We're looking at driving traffic to these pages. Um, so a big piece of work, big majority of your work is based around social media. Uh, and it's based around social media campaigns, etc. I find this area of work, it's a bit like playing bass guitar. It's easy to pick up, but hard to master. So over my 16 plus years of being in marketing, I can, I can honestly say I've only ever found a few people that can do it well. There's a lot of people that do it, but there's only a few people that do it well. And I think that you sit in that category. So I'd, I'd like to dive in a bit more about your processes. So how do you approach a new brief with a client? Just kind of break that down for me. Yeah. So we tend to get or the, the types of types of the business that we tend to speak to normally fall into a few different categories. One, they're already advertising and they're doing it in-house and they don't have the time or they feel like they're not getting the best level of results that they could be. So they want to speak to an agency to do it. Uh, another one that we hear is a company already has an agency and that agency isn't getting the results that they want. Um, and then sometimes we'll get maybe like startups that are funded and they're like, right, we've got a product that we need to get out there into the world. And then the other category might be um, like referrals or people that come through our content and they, you know, it's, it's like, we're interested in what you, what you can do for us. So those are kind of like the four main categories and we tend to approach all of them pretty much the same way, which is they'll get in touch with us with their problem. I'll jump on the call, jump on a call with them and, and learn about that problem, learn about the business, learn about what their, um, what their goals are for the business. And 
I like that. Like when it comes to advertising, so for me, it's 100% results driven. So we need to be able to generate that client a profit from the work that we do. So their investment in us, their investment in their advertising spend needs to generate a profit. Otherwise, there's, you know, there's, there's no point in working with us. So I like to dive into the numbers and look at like things might, might be things such as, you know, how much money are you making just now? How much money do you need to make? Or, or do you want to make? Or, or things like out of your, in your sales process, out of the leads that you generate, how many, what percentage of them convert? How many leads do you need to generate in order to acquire sales? How much is a customer worth to you? All these different numbers. So I can then go to the next stage, which is typically running an audit of their ad account. So if they are already advertising on Facebook, what I do is I ask for analyst access to their ad account. So we can go in, take a look at what's going on, see you know if it's an agency that's doing it for them like look where the agency's inefficiencies are always the same ones if they're managing it in-house we can look at like what problems are they doing and that may, then makes it very easy for me to go back to them and say right based on all of these numbers that you've given me and based on what we've seen well your campaign setup is terrible you know your your landing page isn't converting very well here are some ideas and what we think is going to be the best way forward. Our fee is this. We think based on the numbers that you've given us, we'll be able to increase profit by this. And if it makes sense, then you know it's almost like a no-brainer to, to get started. Um, and so that's kind of the way I, I the way I do it. It's, it's very much a, a I guess a consultative approach to to selling. And what what I'm trying to do from a business perspective more and more is try to productize our offering. So. Um, set fees no you know like up and down fees no project pricing no no hourly pricing just uh this is the fee that you, you pay this is and this is what you get for it do you do you charge for the the audit or does that come as we do have audits that people can pay for um but as part of our sales and that that'll be a comprehensive audit but as part of the sales process you know it's free and it's it's just a you know, I'd be lying if, if I said it was anything comprehensive. It's really going in, spending maybe 15, 20 minutes looking at what's going on. And very, you know, very quickly, I can see mistakes that are happening in the ad account, or I can see that actually things are going really well. And to work with us probably wouldn't be much of a benefit add to them. So I can, you can see pretty quickly what's, what's going on. Do, do you think Facebook ads or this this type of marketing can it work for every business or do you feel it sits more in certain sectors and industries well i think it it can work for it can work for every industry whether it can work for every business is is a different story um and, and well to be, to be honest it can it can work for every business but that business has to be clear on what their goals are what the budget is going to be and sometimes the level that they might need to spend is going to be out with what they have. So in that case, then, you know, it might not, because all I'm focused on is if, you know, if it's e-commerce and it's very simple, it's like, how many people can we get to buy verse and, and how much money are they spending versus how much are we putting in? Now, if you're selling products for two pounds a piece, then, you know, probably going to struggle to make Facebook work for you because the amount that you're going to spend, you're not going to recoup it with a two pound product. Um, if you're selling a cert, you know, maybe you're a B2B service 
which often people say, well, Facebook ads can't work for. But if you've got a good margin on that B2B service, maybe your product's 10 grand or your service is 10 grand, sorry, but you've got a good margin on it, you can actually afford to spend a lot on Facebook to acquire that customer. So it, again, it can work. So I, I would say, I don't want to put a blanket approach and say it can't work for certain industries, but I think oftentimes, well, probably 75% of the time we'll turn a business away because when they inquire, they either don't have the budget or their business would be hard for us for our fee and their ad spend to make it work for them profitably. Mm. I definitely think the remarketing model is something that every business can do. You know, whether, whether Facebook is the, the platform or the social media that you use for those first initial touch points at the beginning of the customer journey, but everyone can remarket because if you're getting people to your website, Facebook, I I think is still the best tool to use for remarketing, just because it's it's the most cost effective and it's the most commonly used platform. So yeah, a remarketing model is, and I, I presume a lot of your ads are are they based around remarketing? Yeah, every single can't play every single client that we work with will have pretty comprehensive retargeting. Um, the more the bigger the budget they have, or sorry, the larger the audience they have, the the more comprehensive that can be. But you're so right. Even the smallest of businesses can set up a, a one dollar a day, a one pound a day retargeting ad and and get results from it. Yeah, brilliant. How, how yeah, this is probably quite a difficult uh, um, question to answer, but how does your approach and your the way that you do Facebook ads or social media ads, how is it different from other competitors or other people that do the a similar sort of thing? What, how what's your how's your approach different? Yeah, well, one one thing that we've been really good at is or one thing that we've had a lot of experience in is working with B2C service-based businesses. So kind of more by chance than anything else, that's kind of been the type of business that we've generally generally worked with. We're, we're probably about like 80-20 split right now between lead generation for those guys and, and e-commerce. But that type of business we've is where the majority of our advertising budget and spend that we manage goes through and so from that we've been able to develop quite a robust system in terms of how we get results for those people and I'd say the main thing that we do that's different is we are big advocates on getting our clients to create content so when we are in having an initial conversation with a client whereas we're I think a lot of agencies will be like, okay, let's get the ads running. Let's get the campaigns running. So we're, we take a more, uh, I guess, holistic approach and say, well, what's the content strategy? I know it's not directly um, like relevant to the ad campaign, but we want you to be, like you say, creating your own TV show or, or having a weekly blog or having a, you know, a YouTube series that you're putting out consistently before we start spending money on ads because ads are part of a marketing ecosystem. And, and we know that if people uh, see your ad on Facebook, a lot of the times they're going to go to Google and they're going to Google you. And if you're not showing up there, then it's not really a good thing. So we try and get our clients to, to first of all, you know, create content consistently. And then we use that as part of our campaign. So we will always allocate budget, if, you know, a client's budget towards some form of content promotion, which kind of links back into what we just discussed where, um, you know, let's say that you're a, let's say you are a chiro, like a chiropractor, 
like if you are you're operating in a local area you're producing uh, weekly videos that talk about things like why you have back pain why you have neck pain we then would run those ads out to people in the local area and if somebody watches a video on why you have neck pain or why you have back pain chances are they've got neck pain or they have back pain which makes them a perfect candidate for retargeting so they um because you wouldn't watch a video on why you have neck pain if you didn't have it so we then so th this is the kind of system that we create is you create content, you distribute that using ads, and then you retarget the people who have consumed it with your offer, which might be you know, a free consultation for neck pain, by which point those people have already pre-qualified themselves. And you've also started to build a bit of trust with them because you've shown that you're, you know, you know what you're talking about. Mm, totally agree with what you're saying. You know what, over the last sort of few years, we've slowly started to come away from ma completely managing our clients' social media accounts. And it's not because we couldn't do it, but we just can't do it as well as a company that is running their social media from the inside out. And now as, a, as, as someone who runs an agency, I can look at organizations and see the accounts that are run by agencies and the runs that are done internally, because they know their tone of voice better than anyone else. They're the ones that are going to capture those ad hoc moments at the desk or you know around at the, a christmas party you know they're the ones that can have little meetings and come up with content internally we're just an as an agency we're just an amplification of that content we're their megaphone but we can't be there in, in every day making that content with them so we're slowly moving away from that and training our clients that this is how you want to be doing it. this is who you want to assign to make this this is where you want to be storing your images this is how you want to be getting them out these are the hashtags you should be using in. And I love the fact that you're working with your clients, assisting them and helping them make their content. And then you're using that content to become, to create their own marketing ecosystem and using ads to get that to the right people, you know, engaging with them, attracting them, and then bringing them back to the next touch point or the next part of the customer journey. So totally see where you're coming from there. And that you're right. That is in this current climate is, is unique. So thumbs up to that. Awesome. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring in brand at this point because I am brand master flash. So we do need to work brand. I always like for the, for any audience listening to this now, I'd like to just kind of do a bit of terminology. So when I think of brand, I think of community. So whenever I'm thinking about brand building, I think of community building. Now with what you what you do, community has such a big role in this. So how much of a role then does does brand play with generating content and following generating content the role of the ad and, and generating traffic you know from the brands that don't invest in brand and the ones that do how much of a difference do you see in that oh enormous enormous um I'm, and we can go back to like chiropractor example because we could, we've worked with quite a few of those and oftentimes you know they're doctors and and they're busy dealing with patients and so their brand and everything that comes from that you know their their website and their logo and their landing pages and all of the rest and you know the images that they have and things are very often really bad and um that actually like that kind of realization changed the way that we operate as a business where we used to not do any landing page funnel building and we were purely ads but what we found was oftentimes we would be running ads to a landing page that is ugly as hell and didn't convert. And I know branding isn't just the visual side of things, but from my perspective, that was, you know, 
like just some of these pages were just awful um, and, and never worked. And then you could, in the content side of things and the website, when people are, you know, if, you, if we've done a lot of work with regenerative medicine practices who are selling things like stem cell therapy, which can be like seven and a half thousand dollars to get done. When you're talking that level of service, there needs to be a huge amount of trust there. And if someone sees an ad that goes to a terrible landing page and then they go to the website and it's awful and then they Google them and there's nothing there, it doesn't say a lot from a trust perspective. Um, so that that's probably been my main experience. And then I, to be honest, I've got my own experience from a brand brand perspective where like I, we, I, I've operated under my own personal brand for, for years now and, and I found it very hard to, I, I almost felt like when, when I didn't, and then sorry, let me start that story better. I had my own personal brand for many years. We got to the end of last year and I decided to create a new agency brand. So we went through a big rebrand project, which is kind of like slowly getting rolled out now. And before I had that, I just felt like I didn't have like a home. It, it was a weird feeling like when, when I was creating content, whether it was, you know, articles or, or videos, I just, because we had no brand guidelines and we had no tone of voice, it, Although it was coming from me, me naturally, I, I just had like felt a little bit lost. And now that we have that, it's 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 made it so much easier for me to to create content and to um, create ads having that that brand. So I feel like I've gone off on a bit of a tangent from your original no, question. No, but... totally, no, I totally see where you're coming from from the from a brand point of view. But it, actually, this is great because this is what I want to talk to you about because. I've kind of come the opposite way. So you've obviously built a personal brand and then it's like, hey, it's what I do is bigger than this. It needs a collective voice because there's, you know, you had people working for the, the Gavin Bell brand and you naturally got to a point where I need it to be bigger and, and have its own community now. And obviously you develop Yatta now. So tell me about Yatta. Where, how, what is it and, and how did it start? So my, my business model over the last like, so we, I think I launched the company about six or seven years ago and we started off kind of freelance slash agency services, whatever you want to call it. Then, like I mentioned, we went into the product world and had the academy and, and the courses, but we still had the clients during that time. Um, and I, I kind of got to the end of last year, some time with COVID to think about what I actually wanted to achieve. And that's when I decided I feel like I need an agency brand now. And I want to stop focusing on the courses and the membership and focus on, on growing an agency. Because I was going down a, a route where uh, like I, I was a marketing influencer, if you want, like, I hate that term, but I was building a, a personal brand and that personal brand was Gav, who's, who does Facebook ads and marketing. And I, I don't want to be a marketing influencer. Like long-term, that's not what I want. To, I don't want to be someone that, you know, speaks on stages and writes books on marketing for the rest of my life. I love marketing and it's my main passion, but I, that's not what I want to be. I want to be someone that can build different businesses. And I'd rather my, like my brand was around someone that was a, you know, more of an entrepreneurial type brand anyway. So that kind of led to coming up with the agency brand and going through a rebrand process. And it's felt so much better being able to, you know, email clients from an agency brand email. And 
and have people on the team not have uh, a miss at like Joe at MrGavinBell.com. It just now these little these are tiny little things, but without that agency brand, without the Yatter brand, just fell off. And when something feels off, it's hard for you to go full on like into it. So we came up with a brand, and and to be honest, it's a, it's like it feels like a new business that has been around for like six or seven years, which is kind of cool. Cause it means we've like, I, I feel like it's a startup feel, but we've got the backing of amazing clients that we work with and, and years of experience. So we, we brand ourselves as a lead generation agency. Um, you could also call us a Facebook ad agency. You could also probably call us a conversion rate optimization agency. Cause we focus on lead generation for our clients, but we do that through uh, Facebook advertising and, and conversion rate optimization. That's amazing. So, so Yatta's kind of come in and he's going to be taking the the marketing side of things and the kind of marketing voice. And I suppose then Gavin Bell now is moving over to sort of you're a, you're a brand builder. You know, you're a you're a, an enterprising brand builder that builds businesses and supports business people in building their business. So do you feel that that's the, the you know, are you going to be re-scoping that personal brand as well? Well, I think I think it will like my so I, i've never really spoken about this publicly but my my goal is to is to grow the agency to a point where we've maybe got a team of uh, like six or seven full-time people so not nothing massive um and use that team to then go into different projects so i have this idea of, of going into like old school business models and applying what we know from a marketing world and a branding world and a tech world into these old school business models and building them up. Uh, it's almost like, you know, using the agency to rather than help a client is to be the client ourselves. So that's kind of like my, my vision. And so I think my brand, as a, from a personal brand perspective, will probably just follow that journey wherever, wherever that takes us. So it will be still, you know, I'll always be talking about marketing just now, but maybe as we go into other different projects, then, then I'll do that. I'm, I'm a massive fan of like sharing the journey and, and building in public so, so showing people what i'm up to what i'm trying what's working what's not working um and i hope that that style of content will almost like build my personal brand for me like i, I don't i think i've always been quite um bullish on what i wanted my brand to be like early on whereas now i'm taking more of a laid-back approach and of I will just create the content as we go through this journey and people can brand me as that's what they want. I love it. I think it's, I think I like the way that you approach things because I think there's, there's having a journey and there's having a roadmap, but there's also just throwing the compass away and just go, Hey, I'm going to go this way and see what happens. I don't think, I don't think it would be you if you were really like, right, this is exactly what I'm doing. I'm going there. I think there has to be an element with what you do about flow and just organically arriving somewhere and just letting the tide take you where this is going to go. You know, you've you've done the hard work, you know, you've built up a, a good reputation, you've got a great skill set. I think it's just about just sort of paddling and and just drifting a bit and just seeing where you know, this journey takes you. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would say I've got a very solid I guess a very solid roadmap on where I want to be and where we're going, but it's a, 
from a brand perspective, I'm not so much interested now on on trying to portray something. And and I think, you know, like admittedly, um, maybe a few years ago, I tried very hard to brand myself as, uh, you know, an entrepreneur or a marketing person. And I feel now I'm very much more of the opinion that I don't want to try and do it. I would rather try and build the business and scale the business and achieve incredible things, which then just build the brand. Uh, like It's almost like I want my results to do the talking as opposed to me trying to brand myself as something. Yeah, I get it. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to bring this together now because we're approaching the end of time, which I can't believe it's gone so quick. Um, I want to jump on purpose. Okay, so it's the why. Okay, it's, it's uh, the why we do things. And you've already touched upon, upon this. But I listened to a podcast. I can't remember where I heard it um, a, a few months ago. And they said that purpose is your highest level of contribution. So in a lot of businesses, our highest level of contribution is to make something and sell it. But what do you feel like your, what is your highest level of contribution within business and in your life? Oh, um, that's a good question. It's my highest level of contribution. I think, uh, uh, I I kind of feel like for me, business is a, is a bit of a, it's it's kind of like a game. So I, I, I grew up very sporty, um, nothing, nothing professional, but where I was from sport was a massive part of the culture. And, and, um, that I feel like that sporting idea of like I mentioned, being better and constantly striving for more and being very goal-driven has kind of led me into, um, or has has given me given me a lot from a business perspective, an entrepreneurial perspective, and and I think I'm I'm at a place where I kind of see business and entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism, entrepreneurialism, and almost life as a bit of a game. And when it's a game, it, it's meant to be fun. And um, so I think from a contribution perspective, although I don't you know, necessarily try and do this, I think that I, my level of contribution is almost like seeing life as something that, seeing life as something that's maybe not so serious and you can try things and break things. And if it doesn't work, then that's fine. But having fun along the way is is um the most important thing because we're, we're not here for a very long time and um yes growing a successful business is hugely important to me but it's equally important as having fun along the way so you know like doing an interview like this is a hell of a lot of fun for me and and i'm sure we'll share beers together someday when we're allowed to and that will be fun and and so for me like business is about meeting inspiring people meeting fun people and with that kind of collective purpose of growing our businesses at the same time. Um, so I don't know if that actually answers your question or not, but it does. It, it, it does. It does actually, because you know, you were saying about playing with it, uh, enjoying it. Cause here, here's an interesting thing then. What's the opposite of losing? I was going to say winning. Okay. What's the opposite of winning and losing? 
doing nothing. It's playing. So playing is the opposite of oh. winning and losing. And that's interesting with you because you talk about being competitive, but you talk about being competitive and you talk about play in the same sentence, which I think is incredible. And I love the fact that you that you play with these things because by you playing with these things and coming at it at a more a kind of a relaxed, playful way has got me into it. Like you got me into like just grabbing a like obviously I got this microphone because I messaged you and said what microphone do you use and look I've got it here and there's been times that you helped me and I've asked you what camera you use and I've seen you make stuff and think oh wicked you know and you you come at a really cool approach and it it made me think you know what I can do this as well then I can do it so if you're looking at your highest level of contribution you know I think you've opened the door for people that might have not looked at this type of marketing, looked at creative content marketing, looked at these type of platforms, and they are now using it. So you might not be aware of your own highest oh, level. That's very cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, that's cool. Oh, thank you. And we will have a beer at some point. Um, I almost had, did have a beer with you at Marketed Live, um, but I think we both had to go. I didn't get a chance to speak to you uh, whenever that was, yes. now, two years ago. Yeah, oh, that's, that feels like so long ago now. Yeah. I know. So those, the, the good times are, are coming. Let them roll. Yeah, I'm excited. Where would you like to send people then? If anyone listening or watching this, where do you want them to go and find out a bit more about you? Yeah, two places, I guess. Um, either if you want to follow me on social. I, I'm most active these days on Twitter and it's at Mr. Gavin Bell. Um, or head over to our new agency site, which is weareyatter.com, which at the time of recording this is is live but it's not finished. It's probably the best way to say it. So you can go over there and, and um, yeah, get in touch with us. Awesome. Well, I'll put all your details in the show notes and in the comments, but Gav, thank you so much for your time. We'll see you Thanks soon. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. You can see and hear from Gav. He's so passionate about what he does. He has a competitive edge about him and that's what drives him forward but you can hear and see this calmness to him and that he's really inquisitive and curious about his industry. He loves marketing and he's always exploring new technology and new platforms and new media because he believes in what he does and he loves what he does. If you do want to find out more about Gav, I'll put uh, his links um, in the show notes uh, and the comments below. So please do go check him out. If you are enjoying the content that I'm making, if you're watching this or listening to this, then please do like and share it. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. Or if you're listening to the podcast, please leave a comment or review. I would really appreciate it. If you do want to be a guest on the show, get in contact with me. I'm always looking to hear about new businesses and speak to more interesting people. But as always, be useful, be kind, and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye.